It's an epiphany miracle. Pope Francis met with Hong Kong Cardinal Zen. When waiting for this, it's been a two-year standstill with Cardinal Zen trying to warn Pope Francis that the Chinese-Vatican agreement is bunk. It's bad. It's bad for Catholics. It's an accommodation to the Chinese Communist Party. And it finally happened. But people are asking, well, if it took two years, what was the impetus? Why did Pope Francis change his mind? Here's a full picture of their meeting. You can see Cardinal Zen is, he looks healthy. He's in good spirits. And uh, Pope Francis, maybe they just got a bad shot of him here. He isn't, he looks a little grimacing here. I don't know what's going on, but it happened. And I think we need to be happy, but two questions, two topics today is why now and what did they say? Now, to break the story was America Magazine. Now, if you watch my podcast, you know I'm not a big fan of America. It's a Jesuit rag. It's, um, let's just say that their content and my content are very different. They're the one that broke the story and said that Cardinal Zen had a private audience with Pope Francis, and it happened on the Feast of the Epiphany. That is January 6th. Now, probably the reason this happened is that Cardinal Zen flew to Rome. He got permission from China. He came to Rome for the funeral of Pope Benedict XVI. So definitely Pope Francis knew that Cardinal Zen was coming. And I think it would look really bad if Cardinal Zen made yet another trip to Rome and yet another time Pope Francis refused to speak with him. Plus, Pope Francis has received some criticism in the last week. A lot of people are uh, comparing the legacy of Pope Benedict with the legacy of Pope Francis and making comparisons that Pope Francis was, wouldn't like. And so maybe... Pope Francis is having a change of heart, or maybe it's just good media. What was discussed, though? Unfortunately, we don't have much. The America Magazine, the Jesuit magazine, said, Cardinal Zen said that Pope Francis was in great form throughout the meeting and full of good humor and even insisted on accompanying him and his companion to the door as they departed. Francis joked and laughingly explained this, saying, I accompany you with two reasons. I want to make sure you go. And secondly, I want to make sure that you do not take anything with you. They all laughed and Francis waved goodbye. So it seems like nothing, I mean, I don't know, maybe something weighty was discussed, but it seemed like it was a photograph and a handshake. That's what I'm taking away from this. And then there's kind of the oddball thing, like I'm accompanying you to the door to make sure you go and that you don't take anything which is kind of a, uh, a backhanded joke. I don't know. Maybe that's Francis's sense of humor. You'll remember that Cardinal Zen um, was found guilty not that long ago, just in the last few months, by a Chinese court, and he was fined the sum of $512, which many people all over the world volunteered to pay on his behalf. But as I mentioned in a previous podcast, I think this was the Chinese government 
ruling that Cardinal Zen was guilty and then giving him a nominal fee, a fine of $512, just to say, we found you guilty, we punished you, but um, we're not going to make it so extreme that there's national outrage. We just want to make the point that we got you and that you are guilty. And if you do it again, we'll start to ratchet up. Cardinal Zen, as you know, was always a big fan of Pope Benedict XVI. He's very much in line with the hermeneutic and continuity. Uh, Cardinal Zen has pray, uh, celebrated the traditional Latin Mass. And uh, I, I would kind of place him with the JP2, B16 conservative Catholics. Uh, and generally not in line with the more radical changes and updates of Francis. Now, I'm going to open up for some questions. Today's show will be a little bit shorter, but I do want to open up the floor for questions. And here's my question. I did this live on Twitter today. I want to do it with you on YouTube today. This past week, Pope Francis looked into the casket of a dead man, Pope Benedict XVI. Pope Francis, in the same place where he... He put the Pachamama in a boat. You remember that? In the same exact place, that's where they put the corpse of Cardinal Ratzinger, Pope Benedict XVI, dead. His soul had left his body and gone to the particular judgment. During that week and then in the funeral, did Pope Benedict, here's the question for you. All right, I want you in the live chat or in the comments below, leave a comment. Did Pope Francis, looking into that casket or looking at that corpse on the beer in St. Peter's where he placed the Pachamama, same spot, has he had a change of heart? Has he looked at the dead body of Pope Ben XVI, the blessed memory, and said, one day, that will be me. I will be the dead Pope. People will be in here praying. They're going to close my casket and they're going to go bury me and turn me somewhere. And it's not so much what is my legacy. I guess all great men, popes, cardinals, heads of state, presidents, kings, senators. I guess they think, what is my legacy? But if you have any ounce of spirituality, you're going to think, after I die and I'm put into the pine box, I'm going to see Jesus and I'm going to be judged for every action I'm going to do. And how's that going to go? You know, a lot of people say that when their parents die, particularly when their father dies, they have a period of reflection. Their father is dead and they say, who am I? What am I doing? Am I living up to him? Am I surpassing him? Am I disappointing him? He's now gone. I'm still here. And I can't help but think that those same kind of thoughts happened in the mind and the heart of Pope Francis. So here's the question for you, the live chat. Did Pope Francis or will Pope Francis have a change of heart Will he become more merciful, kind, less restrictive of the traditional Latin Mass? Or will he double down? 
triple down, quadruple down. What's going to happen next? I think we all agree Pope Francis, he himself is getting old. We have to pray for him. I would love for Pope Francis to be the holiest, greatest Pope of all time, to have a Damascus Road conversion and say, you know what? I got off the path, but you know what? I'm going to make things right. I'm going to fire all the wolves in the Vatican. I'm going to appoint holy men. And I'm going to reverse policies that have hurt people, damaged people, led people to schism, led people to leave the church. He doesn't have much more time. He's not healthy. He just had a portion of his colon removed not too long ago. So which one is it? I'm going to turn now to your questions. Do you think he's going to convert? Or do you think he's going to double down, triple down, quadruple down? Tree Annie says we can only pray for his change of heart. I agree. I pray all the time for that. People think I've written off Francis. I haven't. I pray for him. Pray for him in the rosary. When Beckett and I met him in person and I gave him a copy of Infiltration, we told him our family prays for you in the rosary. To his face, we told him that. Is bringing debater of everything, presenter of nothing, is bringing back the universal Latin mass the ultimate goal? No. The ultimate goal is to sanctify our souls and to have the Catholic faith held in, in total and to have hope and love for God. If you don't have faith, hope, and charity in your soul, you're going to go to hell. You have to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. You have to accept the redemption of Jesus Christ into your heart. We receive that instrumentally through the sacraments, baptism, the Eucharist, penance. No, the ultimate, the Latin Mass is an instrument. When Jesus comes back, doomsday, and we live world without end, with no sin, there won't be a traditional Latin Mass. There will be gratitude for it. There will be remembrance of it. The end-all, be-all is Jesus Christ. If it was all about just a universal Latin Mass, then we would want to abrogate the Eastern Rites or the Liturgy of St. John Chrysostom. We don't. We don't want to do that. We just want to preserve the Roman Rites. So I'm glad you brought that question up. And I'm glad we got to discuss it together. Do y'all agree with me? Let's get back to Francis, though. I want y'all to tell me if you think Francis is going to double down and continue the persecutions, continue working with the EU and the UN and Davos and the WEF and the IMF and all the triple letter groups. Or is he going to have a change of heart, a conversion? Fugundo, God bless you. Thank you very much. I appreciate the prayers. People are saying good stuff, but they're not answering the question. Maybe, maybe it's too hard to say. Here's a need. Pope Francis pondered his life, but more so what is to come. He knows what he's created and where this is all going. I agree. I agree. 
But will he change? I think most people, even if you're a liberal, even if you're James Martin, even if you're uh, Cardinal Supich, you look at the pontificate of Pope Francis and you're going to say it was divisive and unpopular. Now, he's very popular with the UN and with the globalists, that whole Davos crowd, the George Soros crowd, the Joe Biden crowd. But when it comes to the people in the church, you know, open the doors and see all the people, those people, he's unpopular generally with his own people. That's a problem. Louise Guzman says, I think Francis will double down. He has never shown any sign of changing. Yeah, if there's no conversion, I mean, he's a Jesuit. And I've, I haven't studied his life in detail, but I've studied it somewhat. And he has always been associated with the modernistic, liberal, um, and then also with corruption, you know, in the South American church and his career. So... And of course, the Jesuit order. So his his whole career, if we should we shouldn't even be calling that in the church, but his life journey as a priest and then a bishop and then a cardinal uh, has the same theme throughout it. You know, I did that video a while back where uh, I. We talked about Pope Francis talking about being altar boy, and he said that when he was an altar boy during the Latin Mass, he, the book, the missile stand, was heavy for him, and he dropped it, and he was really embarrassed, and and uh, he mentioned that as a as a watermark in his life. And I kind of wonder, you know, what happened? Did was he scolded by a priest in a saturno and a cassock? You know, was it falling down with the missile stand that he said this is too rigid or it's embarrassing? What happened in his life? that he doesn't like tradition. John Hernandez says, I think we expect Pope Francis to double or triple down, but we can't lose sight that our help to Christ through Mary Auxilium Christianorum, help of Christians, is in the name of the Lord. I agree. This is why I continue to pray for Francis, and it's why I continue to fast for Francis. You know, the way out of this, we got into this mess with the papacy, and we're going to have to get out of this mess with the papacy. Denying the papacy and becoming Eastern Orthodox is not the solution. Siobhan, good to see you again. Francis could convert at last minute of his life. That's true. Anyone can convert at the last minute of their life. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about now. The week after the funeral or the death and the funeral of Pope Benedict XVI, is he thinking about this? Marianne H., he seems to hate Catholicism. Red Wolf, buddy of Peron, so I find it hard to believe he'll change his MO, modus operandi. No, Bergoglio's will not change, but rather will continue and possibly double down. So I'm, I'm sensing some pessimism. L. Cunningham, so if a Jesuit 
has become Pope, is he now only answerable to himself? No, he's answerable to Jesus Christ. Here's the problem. We've gotten to a point in the Catholic Church where people honestly think, some even conservatives, that the Pope has authority to do whatever he wants. That's heretical. Let me ask you some questions. And you tell me, does the Pope have the authority to do it? Does the Pope have the authority to say the Gospel of John, one of the four canonical Gospels, is no longer in the Bible? He's going to say, Pope Damasus put it in in 382 of the year of our Lord, and I'm taking it out. Pope put it in, a Pope took it out. Is that really the job of the Pope? The Pope is a guardian. He's a gatekeeper. He's a key holder. You know who holds the keys to a building? The janitor. The janitor walks around, he's got all the keys on him. Janitor is Latin. Janus, Janus is Latin for door. A janitor, a janitor is the doorman. He keeps the keys. Jesus gave the keys to Peter as his steward, as his vicar, as his prime minister, as his key keeper. He doesn't get to come in and rearrange all the furniture, change everything. No, he preserves and carries on and hands down the tradition that Jesus gave the 12 apostles with Peter, and then they passed down from generations. So no, the Pope can't go and say the Gospel of John is not in the Bible anymore. Could the Pope come and say, you know what, the... Book of Hebrews, we're not quite sure who wrote the book of Hebrews. Some people say Paul, I think it was Paul. But So I'm taking uh, the epistle of Hebrews out of the Bible. No, the Pope cannot do that. He does not have that authority. What if the Pope said, well, I know that in all the Eastern rites and in the Roman rite, and as far as back as we can possibly go with every liturgical document, that we always say the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer, after the consecration in the Eucharist, in the Eucharistic liturgy, whether it's, you know, the Syrian rites or the Egyptian rites or the Byzantine rites or the Roman rite, in every single instance, there's always the Our Father is prayed after the consecration. But you know what? I don't like that, so I'm taking it out with my papal authority. Can the Pope do that? No. There are certain things the Pope cannot do. So we've gotten this funny idea that the Pope can rearrange the furniture and do whatever he wants, or even rewrite the Our Father in his own image and likeness as he wants. And that's heretical. The Pope does not have authority to change the deposit of faith. Period. we got to get away from that. Was Pope Benedict's ring ever destroyed after his resignation? That I don't know. You know, when a Pope dies, they deface, they destroy the, the ring of the Pope so that no more bulls can be made with his seal. It's symbolic nowadays. In the old days, it had a purpose. They didn't want anybody writing any encyclicals or papal bulls and sealing it with the Pope ring and sending it to France or something. AJ says, I think 
Pope Francis clearly has some Marxist leanings. I mean, yeah, just last week, he talked about how his version of, of Christianity is socialist. Mm. Strongly disagree. Rachel, what is St. Gallen? St. Gallen, well, first of all, St. Gallen, St. Gallen was a saint, I believe, from Ireland who came all the way to Switzerland and evangelized people, converted them from paganism into Catholicism, into Christianity. And he died in Switzerland. And there's a town in Switzerland named after him called Sankt, which is German, Sankt Gallen, St. Gallen. And that is where liberal archbishops, bishops, and cardinals would meet and discuss how they can make the church more progressive and how they can get rid of John Paul II and Benedict XVI and make the church more progressive with women's ordination and LGBTness and unnatural unions and blessing of same sex and all that kind of stuff. That happened in a town called St. Gallen. It's also uh, where ex-Cardinal McCarrick had his vocation uh, his calling, so-called, to the priesthood. And in my book, Infiltration, I discuss how St. Gallen is located at the apex, the capital, the center of um, Aleister Crowley's Gnostic church, which has sex magic in it. So there is, I don't know if it's directly uh, cross-pollinating there, but there's definitely a capital there in Switzerland right at St. Gallen of Aleister Crowley's sex magic cult right there. Is there a connection? Again, these are all a bunch of ifs that uh, point in certain directions. So if you want to learn more about St. Gallen, the history of St. Gallen, who was meeting at St. Gallen and what was being discussed, I cover all that in my book, Infiltration. Michael says, I think Francis is going to double down. I know I'm late to this, but I. But what changed him? Changed in him, like you said, looking down into the casket of Pope Benedict XVI could have changed him, but he's not changing. I think we'll give him a little time. I think this meeting with Cardinal Zen is positive. I like it. It shows some good faith. I'm. I'm not counting Francis out yet. But if there's not a conversion, he doesn't cooperate with grace. I think we are going to have even more persecution, and he's not going to double down. He's going to quadruple down. Is Taylor pre-decontest? Pre-decontest. I don't know what that is. Is that a new thing? Is that something beyond set of a contest? Pre-decontest? Pre-tribulation set of a contest? I don't know. Uh, Joy just linked the link to infiltration. It's on sale right now at Amazon. It's a good time to get it if you want to get a copy. If you want a signed copy, go to patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. All right. Ah, here's Araceli, my friend Araceli. How are you? Seraphim Rosaries. What do you foresee is next for the traditional Latin Mass under Francis's rule? Uh, I think he is going to enforce con celebration. I think he's going to enforce communion in the hand at the TLM. And I think he's going to enforce altar girls at the TLM. And what else? Oh, and then the, the Novus Ordo lectionary in English or in vernacular at the TLM. 
He's going to put pressure on those who retain the TLM. He's going to continue to Novus Ordo eyes the TLM. If he lives long enough, I believe that's what he'll do. Good to see you, Araceli. John Wick. Man, we got John Wick in the chat. John Wick just entered the chat. John Wick. He says, we can only pray Francis has more conversations with Zen in the future. I agree. It's a beautiful thing. Thank you, John Wick, for being here. Oh, I like this one. Mary Ann, what if he silences podcasters? Would you obey? What do you mean silences? Like says I can't talk? Like what about if I'm after, it's after mass on Sunday and someone comes up and says, hey, what do you think about this, Taylor? I'm not to talk. Does the Pope have that authority? Is there somewhere in canon law that says the Pope can forbid podcasting? I don't know. If he came out with a moto proprio that somehow said Taylor Marshall cannot get on YouTube or tweet or podcast or do social media, I would just hire a canon lawyer and uh, pursue it and appeal to Rome and figure out what the rule is. But I mean, there's certain things like the Pope's authority is limited. If he said Taylor Marshall has to wear a pink hat on his head every time he podcasts, do I have to obey that? Or if Taylor Marshall attends mass, he must hop on one foot while inside church. Do I have to obey that? Like there's limits to obedience. Solitarius, Dr. Marshall, did you notice that St. Sylvester's name was shared with Pope Sylvester III, who resigned? Maybe a coincidence with Pope Benedict's death. Uh, it's, it's a stretch. Uh, I think the main sign is that St. Sylvester I, on which feast day he died, was the first imperial Constantinian pope. He's the first pope of the merge between the empire and the church, the Roman church and the Roman state. And the church fathers and Thomas Aquinas and the medievals and even as late as Cardinal Manning and Cardinal Newman, they say that that is the catacomb of, of St. Paul. That is the withstraining with force against the Antichrist. And when that's taken away, the Antichrist shall appear. It's all detailed in my latest book, Antichrist and Apocalypse, which is available on Audible. Check it out. But I think that's an interesting point. Sylvester III resigned. Lana says, Pope Francis is driven by his socialistic roots. He has said some very heretical things. So, yeah, I mean, if he did have a change of heart, it wouldn't just be, I'm going to be nice to Cardinal Zen now. It would have to be, I need to go back and correct and clarify things I've been saying for the last 10 years or beyond. Definitely. Pope Francis is standing next to a saint. Does Francis believe in living saints? I, I always want to be careful of saying living saints. It's the Catholic way to wait till someone dies. I have no problem saying Cardinal Zen is a holy man. He's revered. Um, I love him. 
but I don't want to canonize anyone until they die. But yes, I hope Francis recognizes that Zen is the man who has suffered for the gospel. Presto Argentino says, Benedict was the last imperial pope. Bergoglio is just a regular earthly emperor. I don't think I agree with that. The last imperial pope would have been, let's think about this. In Antichrist and Apocalypse, I talk about, let me look up some dates here on my phone. I talk about the death of Blessed Karl of Austria and how perhaps him being the last emperor has something to do with the catacomb and uh, the unleashing of Antichrist, especially when you consider World War I and World War II and Fatima in 1917. So Blessed Karl of Austria died. This is all in the book, but I don't have it memorized in my, in my head, and I don't have a copy of the book around me. He died in 1922, 1922, and that would have been Pope who? The 11th? Why is the 11th? He began in February of 22. So yeah, we're looking at, I think, Pius the 11th, February 22. And then he died. Geeking out on y'all. Yes. So technically the last imperial pope with the real emperor was Pius the 11th, not 10th, 11th. Because the, the emperor died the last real Habsburg emperor died in, uh, 20, what did I say? 22. Yeah. 1922 at age 34 during the reign of Pius XI. So I would say Pius XI is the last imperial emperor. All right. We'll do some more questions here. And then uh, we'll, we'll pray together. Eileen says, I struggle to believe Francis will change. He is too connected to the WEF in the culture of Soros. That is my fear. Miracles can happen. I do believe that when Francis was staring into the casket of Pope Benedict XVI, when he saw the body of Benedict on the, on the bier, I do believe the Holy Ghost, third person of the Trinity, was just pouring down graces upon Francis. Memento mori. Remember that thou shalt die. Thou art dust, and unto dust thou shalt return. I believe that's what the Holy Ghost was saying to Francis Bergoglio. But remember, we're Catholics. We're not Calvinists. We don't believe in irresistible grace. We're Catholics. That means that the Holy Ghost could just pour down mountains of grace upon you and you could still resist it and say no. God doesn't ever turn anyone into a robot. 
So you can resist it, I can resist it, and Francis can resist it. On Chung, the worst pope, this one. I would agree. I've studied the popes over the past 2,000 years. I've read anthologies, biographies, and I hope it's just not my own prejudice because it's during my own lifetime, but I think of the most confusion difficulties would be Francis. You know, you also think of like Alexander VI. He was pretty bad, but at least he kept the Catholic faith. He didn't change or manipulate morals or faith. You know, sodomy was still a sin. Um, you didn't have bishops in Germany blessing same-sex unions and the Pope winking at it. So, I, yeah, I mean, you didn't have popes rewriting the Our Father, uh, changing sacraments, restricting the Latin Mass. I mean, those were bad. They were bad popes, but they weren't warring against the faith. So this is the worst. Crusada, Solidarista, Dr. Marshall, for sure, Bergoglio has not changed his mind, is PR what he did with Cardinal Zen. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I wish I could talk to Cardinal Zen. Anybody got Cardinal Zen's contact? I'd love to speak with him. I'd love to hear just, did he talk about anything of substance with you, your eminence? Did he talk about the Chinese Vatican Agreement? Did he talk about the certain appointees as bishops? Anything like that happen, or was it just a ha ha he he shake hands? Um, I want you to leave. I want you not to take anything out of my apartment. Kind of a, a joke, like I read in the America Magazine release. Also, notice who broke the story: the Jesuit magazine America. That means Pope Francis gave the story to them first, so that they could lead with it, and then people like me could respond to it. But they got the lead. All right. Just my little comment thing there. All right, just a reminder, if you want to learn more about this catacomb stuff, I think everybody needs to read it. Check out Antichrist and Apocalypse. It's an awesome book. It's a number one bestseller. I worked really hard on it, and I want you to enjoy it. People love it. Get it. Also, if you want to get caught up on the whole bend the 16th and what happened in 2012 leading up to the resignation in 2013, the best and most concise write-up on it is in this book right here, Infiltration. It's a fantastic book. I really believe it. I've read it four or five times. I know the author. It's fantastic. Get it. Infiltration. There's also the audible version. It's incredible. Um, if you want to move somewhere, you want to move to a place and get Latin mass and all that, go to realestateforlife.org, realestateforlife.org. They'll help you sell your house where you are and find a home in a traditional area. They have pro-life agents, people who think the same way you do and can help you find the right place to go, like Texas or Coeur d'Alene or Kansas or Florida, wherever. Go to realestateforlife.org, not .com, .org, and they can help you. And also, we're ending up this week on the winter enrollment for NSTI, New St. Thomas Institute. Lots of people have signed up. We've started our Bible in a Year program. We have our Bible Catholic Cheat Sheet. The Bible Catholic Cheat Sheet is really cool. It has 
just about every Catholic dogma or moral teaching of the Catholic Church, and I give you the verses and the quotes for every single one of those doctrines. So if you have an evangelical or a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness say, well, that's not in the Bible, or you know, Jesus didn't give power to men to forgive sins, because yes, he did. Here it is in John 20. You can read it. It's right there on the cheat sheet. You see, you got the cheat sheet. Over time, you'll memorize it, but until you memorize it, you got the cheat sheet. And then I've also made a video of every single book of the Bible explaining what that book means from a Catholic point of view. And I do all of this over at NSTI, New St. Thomas Institute. We have 10 curriculum, 10 courses. You can earn your certificate in Catholic theology, Catholic apologetics. We have a certificate in the Latin Mass and the Roman Rite. We have a certificate in Catholic Old Testament studies, a certificate in Catholic New Testament studies. It's all there. Check it out. Sign up. Get enrolled. And I'll see you inside the Institute, NSTI. Pray your rosary every single day. If you don't pray the rosary, you're not on the team. If there's one thing you take away from this video today, it is get out your beads, rattle the beads. They are the weapon, the battering ram of the New Testament, and pray your rosary every single day. We're not cardinals. We're not popes. But we got beads. We've got a direct line with those beads to the mother of God. Do whatever he says, right? That's what she says. Do whatever he says. You have a direct line. Get the beads out and read the Bible in a year. It's not too late. It's only January 7th. Get your Dewey Rames Bible. Read it. Get my plan. Go to New St. Thomas Institute and get the plan and start doing it. This morning I had a beautiful time with my Gospel of Matthew, doing my Bible in a year. I read the whole Bible last year. I'm reading the whole Bible again this year, and I'm using this plan. Check it out. All right, until next time, remember, our Lord Jesus Christ is you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless and Godspeed.